Hey everybody, I figured since I'm laying here in my bed, chilling in my new house, I might as well make another podcast. This podcast here, man, it's going to be somber, well, not somber, but a little bit less noisy, because I'm not in the car. Everything is pretty quiet, so I want to tell y'all the story of Shitty Terry. Now, back in 2015, I had moved to, um, I guess you would call it, uh, um, I don't know her name of them right now, but it'll come back to me. But it's basically a house where a bunch of people stay and I was paying $150 a week. And there were two other dudes that was living with me in my room. There was a guy named John. And the other guy was named Terry. So I get there. I put my luggage down. I lay down. I go to sleep. And I get introduced to John. John is a, a older Portuguese dude in his 50s, um, uh, stocky, I'll say about 5'8", real loud voice, and he tells me, he said, have you met the roommate, the other guy that lives in his room, and I said, no, why, he's like, uh, this dude is a crackhead, and, uh, he shit on himself all the time. And I'm like, you you serious? Wow, okay. So later on that night, this tall, very skinny man, looked like the clothes couldn't even fit on him because he was so skinny. He walks into the room and he heads to the uh the bed all the way on the far side of the room. And my bed is on the opposite side of the room. John bed was in the middle. So John's laying down. He's listening to his rock music, vibing and everything with his headphones. And I'm just scoping out the whole situation because this is my first night at the border house. And, man, I heard uh, Terry say something. He was like, hi, okay, you know, how are you? And he sat down. So everything seemed to be cool. I didn't see nothing wrong with the whole situation and everything. So I decided to go to sleep. At the time, I had been on the San Leandro Bart for like maybe six, seven days. Until I could get enough money for an apartment. And I was, uh, that was, that was crazy. Because I was going to work every day. Um, the carport will come pick people up from this company I used to work at called WIS. It was a place where um, you do inventory and they take you to different stores and you just do, you know, you make count and then you get back in the van. So I was like, okay, this looks like a pretty easy job. And, you know, sometimes I would have to, like, sit down.
job. So, basically, I wasn't um, standing on my feet all day. It was pretty easy for me to maneuver this type of job. So, I had to go ahead and get me some sleep because I had to wake up later on. The job was, uh, I think it started around, I want to say 10 o'clock. But, about that time that I moved into the border home in East Oakland, they had essentially fired me because previous to me moving to the border house, I had a sickle cell crisis and I missed two days of work. Um, I had showed them my doctor note and everything, but they still didn't put me on the, um, the schedule for the next day. So I didn't contact them or anything like that. But at the time, I didn't know that. So I went to work and I'm sitting down and I'm waiting at the San, Le San Leandro BART. Now, when you go to the BART in San Leandro, there's going to be two long um, stone, I guess there's, I think it's, no, cement, cement benches. I used to sleep, literally sleep there for six days straight because I decided I was not going home under any circumstances. So I would have to wait it out and try to um, get my check. That's the reason why my other apartment didn't work out because I wasn't getting any money. Like, I had started working there, I want to say, three weeks or maybe, no, it was a whole month. And I hadn't received any money. My checks was coming in late. And I had paid so much money at a hotel with a, a dude that I thought was going, you know, was going to be a, a roommate. But he ended up doing some shiesty shit. But, you know, that's uh, another story. So, um, I found out that uh, they put me on the schedule. So I basically went all the way out there for nothing. So I come, I come home, take off my shirt and everything, put my binder on. And I look on the farther side of the room, and there's Terry. He's opening up the window. And I'm just looking at him, just trying to see what's going on. And I thought, you know, trying to get a little fresh air or whatever. I figured that's what it was because this was in, I want to say it was in June. It's, it was definitely in June. So it was kind of hot there at the time. And... And I'm looking, right? And then next thing I know, I smell this weird-ass smell. And I'm like, what is that smell? And I look, and I see Terry with a pipe in his hand. He's fucking smoking pipe, smoking crack, out the window. 
And it was like the most horrific smell I ever smelled in my life. And I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, what the fuck? So I get up and I tell him, I say, don't you ever in your life smoke that shit around me. Don't you ever do it again. He was like, okay, okay. So the next day I get up and I see shit all over the floor. It's like a track from Terry's bed all the way across the hallway to somebody else's room to the bathroom. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to go tell somebody <laughs> because this is not the business. Because I need to go take a shower or whatever. And I tell the uh, the lady that works downstairs, her name was uh, Frances. And Frances like, Terry, you better go clean that shit up. And from what I hear, me and John, we had went outside to eat some lunch. And he was running down how he had been living there for over a year, maybe. Maybe less, I don't remember. But he t- he said that Terry has been shitting on himself every day. And they didn't, didn't never do nothing about it. And he didn't know what to do. I said... That is unsanitary. You don't know if this dude got hepatitis. He got HIV. You don't know what's in that shit. And I'm going to have to talk to somebody. So um, I go and talk to, actually, I need to run this down. That um, The person that owned that place, her sister worked with me at WIS. So I talked to her sister. And her sister said, okay, I'm going to talk to my sister, Lisa. And I'm going to tell her what's going on. And she said, my husband, which was Clyde, this, this dude named Clyde, he said, when, when my husband used to work there, he used to stop him from shitting on himself. <laughs> so I don't know what the situation was. I don't know if the man was, was sick. He had HIV, AIDS. I don't know. But I heard that he had diabetes. And plus, he, uh, you know, was a crackhead. So, shit, maybe that's why he was skinny as fuck. So, within the, you know, the the next coming days, everything had calmed down. But he was still shitting on himself or whatever. So, one Sunday, everybody... It was mandatory for everybody to go and go to church on Sunday because the owner of the place, brother, was a pastor. Um, so everybody went to church and everything except for me. Lisa was like, you don't have to, you know, do the same rules as everybody else in this house because you work. And I was like, cool. So around that time, my birthday hit. Uh, just about passed. I want to say that was my 39th birthday when I was living in the border house. So I decided, I'm, 
um, well, I, I decided since everybody's gone, I might as well go and wash my clothes. At the time, I had just been there, and I didn't know that the lady downstairs washes people's clothes out. So I figured I had to do it on my own because I had to find another job. And Ross had called me, so I decided I was going to work at Ross for a minute till I could find something better. So he told me, okay, you need a blue shirt and black pants to work at the job. So I went and I bought whatever they said I needed. And I, I went and washed my black dickies out, you know, on my hands after I got done showering best I could. And hung them out on the uh, the shower rod, you know, ghetto style. I know some people do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I go and lay down, thinking everything cool. I wake up, go to the bathroom, and I'm looking around, and my pants is missing. And I'm supposed to be at work on my birthday. That night at 12 o'clock, I had the graveyard shift. And I'm like, somebody stole my pants. <laughs> so, I wait till everybody come from church. It was this guy, real tall dude. He used to date Lisa back in high school. And he, he worked there. And he also was one of the people that lived in the border house. I wish I could remember his name because he was a real cool dude. He the one that told me about 211 beers. We went got drunk one night with the 211s, but that's another story. So, I tell him about what happened. And he's like, yeah, um, when I was at the church, I noticed that Terry was wearing some very baggy black uh, pants today. So, I think I know what happened. So, I'm heated at this point. I'm like... I don't know what I'm going to do. I ain't got no clothes to wear to go to work. And I'm, you know, I'm raising hell up in there. Complaining. Like, when I start complaining and bitches, it's like, okay, this nigga, he ain't going to stop. So, me and John, we go on the bus. I'm like, okay, I'm about to go back me some more dickies. So, we go out and I go get some more pants. Whatever. And no, that's not what happened. I forgot. I saw them get out the van, and they went and and started eating lunch. And I saw Terry sitting outside with my pants on. That shit made me heated as fuck. So I bust out the back door, went down the stairs, and started cursing this dude out. I said, "About time I get back." From the store, you better have my fucking pants off. I'm going to knock your ass out next time I see you. You're like, oh, I, I thought these was my pants. This and that and the next. I'm like, look at these pants. Look at, look at me and look at you. <laughs> Nigga, ain't no way in the world you thought these pants belonged to you. Come on now. This dude was slender. 
And at the time, I was about 283, you know. So I was, I had a lot of weight on me. So me and John, we go walking and John trying to calm me down. He's like, don't even start doing that stuff like that because you're going to end up getting kicked out. But I was just frustrated because I'm trying to do something for myself and people just throwing my plans or whatever, man. So, the next situation with Terry happened when, um, shoot, Terry was doing all type of shit. It had came to a point where Terry had shitted out all of his clothes. He had no clothes to wear. And he still wanted to go out and buy him some crack from 98 and E's over by the liquor store. Anybody that know about 98 and E's, that's, that's an area where it's popping. There's a liquor store and right across the street is a nice gas station. And they got a lot of nice stuff in there. So, I'm noticing that Terry, his ass has started wrapping a curtain around himself. And he was walking around like that for about a good month. Just a curtain wrapped around his body like a skirt. I swear I'm not lying. This is true shit. I had never in my life ever seen some shit like this. Ever. I mean, I live in the south suburbs of Chicago, so it's not like everything is perfect over here, but I have never seen nothing like that in my life. And at the time, man, it it was it was wasn't funny to me, but now that shit is just fucking hilarious, like who in the fuck just goes around with a curtain wrapped around their body, walking blocks at a time? So, later on, um, this guy named Clyde, Lisa decided to bring him back because Terry was getting out of control with his shitting on himself. Shitting his clothes out, going out with the drapes on, and, and just he just to do which is out of control. So once Clyde got there, everything got so much better. And when I when I complained, that's when everything got reformed. There, it's so funny because. John started thinking me. He was like, I've been here almost a whole year. And I've been doing dealing with this dude all this time. And when you come in here, now everything is fixed up. I'm like, man, you got to say something. He was like, I was too scared. I'm like, damn, bro. So what Clyde did. My nigga Clyde, uh, he took him downstairs, made him stay downstairs, made sure that he, you know, um, didn't shit on himself. And everything was good with, uh, with Terry for a while. And one time, Terry and Clyde got into an argument. 
because Claire got tired of him shitting on himself. And Terry was like, I'm sick. That's why I shit on myself. That's how the nigga talk. I don't know why he talk like that. Yeah, I shit on myself. And then Claire was like, you too old to be shitting on yourself. You need to stop shitting on yourself. Like I said, man, Clyde was like that OG, like triple OG-ass nigga that served some time, most likely. He he putting people on it, man. But that place was kind of like a halfway house. It was hilarious. It was a lot of events happening there. It was just unbelievable. I used to call it the, uh, the old folks' home trap house. I was the youngest one there. Everybody else was in their 50s and 60s. Yep. And the people that worked there, they were in their 40s. So, it was mostly for guys that was on the street or just got out of prison or homeless and they had nowhere else to go. Some of them were paying their whole SSI check to live in a room, which I thought was pretty scandalous and scam-like because, you know, people on SSI, they probably make, like, what, $800? And she was taking their whole check and having them stay in a room with other people. Like, in a room next to me, it was an alcoholic dude that lived with a guy that was a veteran. And I think the veteran, his name was Donald. Now, Donald, I'm about to do a whole other podcast on him. Because that dude was weird. He like specking himself. He was into some freaky shit. But, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all what happened. The ending of Terry. I ended up moving out of there about three months later. And moving to San Francisco. And I had left a bag there. For John to keep. Until. I could find a place to stay. So I went back to Oakland. To go retrieve my items. And John tells me. He said. "Uh, Terry passed away. And he said. Um. One day. On his birthday. He got really high. He was drinking. He was shooting up heroin. He was doing this and that. And he was laying in this bed right here. He pointed to the bed. And he said he had stopped breathing. And Clyde had came in here and uh, revived him. And they took him to the hospital that day. And then later on, they said that he died in the hospital. And I thought that was really sad. And I think if I would have stayed there, that would have never happened. Because in the room I was in, um, both of the, the two people that I left in there were um drug addicts. John was a meth addict. And Terry was a crack addict. And when I got there, I told him, you, y'all cannot be smoking shit, no type of, like, illegal drugs up in this room. 
I used to run the room, man. And they would listen to me. And I, they seen I wasn't playing. And it was like, okay, we're not going to do it here. And when I left, as soon as I left, I bet they started partying, going crazy, this and that. And then, dude got scoped out like that. So, that's the end of the story of Crackhead Terry. Rest in peace, man. That's an Oakland hood story for y'all. Probably volume three. Peace.